0: Hey folks, this is Brian McLaughlin the Hero Sports, and we just wrapped up the FCS semifinals this weekend, and we have this little sliver of something interesting and new called the early signing period, and today I'm talking to Michael Evangelista from the Washington, D.C. area. I call him a super fan because he knows as much as anybody I've ever met uh, about James Madison or James Madison recruiting, and so... Uh, Michael, how you doing, and <laughs> what's the what's the playoffs been like uh, from your standpoint,
1: having gone to the games? Oh, it's been amazing. And first off, thanks for allowing me to join you again. I love what you guys do here with sports, and I think you know I love the Dukes as well, so I appreciate all the media outlets and all the uh, certainly, how can I say this, um, opportunity to showcase James Madison University on a national scale for sure. Um, it's really appreciated from my side and everybody else that supports the Dukes. As far as the playoffs, it's been amazing. Uh, I think we got a little scared there with Weber State, but I think even I speak for a lot of Jamie fans where we were even surprised about what happened against South Dakota State this past Saturday.
0: Yeah. No kidding. I know I was. That was, that was quite the impressive, uh, Showing and the turnovers, you know, you can say they screwed up, or you can say Jam, you forced it. It was a matchup issue, whatever it was. uh, That was a stunning result, uh, especially after Weber State was so close. So, um, but you know, this this uh, this particular podcast, we're gonna we're gonna help fans understand what is going on. I mean, and and here's the quick explanation. December 20th, which is Wednesday, we will begin to have a very tiny window of signing opportunity for Division one football players. And this is something that has been clamored for by some programs. Some don't like the idea. Some do. Some uh, coaches love it. Some hate it. Um, but it's here. And, you know, I think part of it has been that players have been coming in mid-year anyways, even out of high school, you know, and, and, and they're in class by January. So they were doing that without having signed a letter of intent. Now you figure okay they're they are enrolled at the school. I don't think they're gonna leave in the middle of that and go somewhere else, but uh so that kinda holds it to be honest. But it was kind of like well if if they can come to school already and be enlist with the team, why can't they sign a letter of intent a little bit early? If they've made that choice. So that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what pushed it. And and Two weeks ago, I've got to talk to Coach Houston a little bit about this. He said they could have up to 15 sign early with James Mattis, which, which blew me away for an FCS school because that's almost a full
1: full class. Yeah, but, um, I love all of them to sign the season.
0: How about that? <laughs> that's, well, I think, I think Houston wants that too. And the reason, it, you know, to help fans understand, and I know Michael knows this, when, when you have an ACC school that they have a pecking order up on the wall, They have the first quarterback they want, the second, and the third. If they can't get one and two, in the 11th hour, they'll offer number three. And the number three guy might be a guy committed to JMU. And so it's like, do you want to go to Virginia? You know, do you want to go to NC State? Uh, And and so the late part of this old signing period was a time when a lot of poaching happens of a school, even of the caliber of JMU where they lose a guy. So... That's part of this why I think Mike Houston likes this early period. is he can put his class away and keep him out of the snatches of, you know, getting an ACC or a Big Ten school coming along and taking one of his prime guys. So, And that was something he said two weeks ago. So uh, anyways, we have Michael here to break down these individuals because nobody knows it better than he does. And, you know, the class has 13 commitments as of today. 10 of those 13 have FBS offers. And the first thing I want to ask you, Michael, I mean, obviously, what does that
1: say about the caliber of this group? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it says a lot of different things. Um, I think for us that have been following Jamie, right, for the past you know, couple of years, we we know the type of level of recruit we can bring on campus with our facilities, our tradition, the program, winning since, I mean, we only we only had Let's see. Last time we've had a losing record was in 2002, if my stats mm-hmm. remember correctly. So mm-hmm. we can certainly bring on some big-time caliber players for the FCS level, guys that have multiple FBS, you know, offers, you know, three-star, two-star, whatever you want to call it. Those are guys that I honestly think should be coming to JMU, guys that want to win national championships, but guys that want to win now versus you know going to a G5 school or being maybe a preferred walk-on at like a P5 level organization. So I think it a lot of our ability to recruit. And certainly with Houston's 10-year contract, that should help um, also does, the yep. next
0: Yeah, no, I think that helps a lot. I, You know, you look at this group and uh, if you go by recruiting services, which, you, you know, you shouldn't go 100% by recruiting services. And we're going to give you some examples of why here in a second. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's four individuals that have star ratings. Uh, there is one with a three-star rating, uh, Reggie Brown, a receiver out of Lakeland, Florida, and we'll talk about him in a second. Um, but there's a couple guys with stars, and uh, if you go by state, the breakdown is there's seven from Virginia, and we are going to name them. Uh, Rakeem Davis, who people should know because he's a legacy. He's the little brother of Rashard. Uh, he's out of Charlottesville. Henry Schroeder's a lineman out of Richmond. Devin Ravenel. Anybody recognize that name? (laughs) He's a receiver out of Stafford. Uh we go down to Camden Wise. He's going to be a kicker out of Blacksburg. Willie Drew, a a really talented defensive back out of Smithfield. We talked about talked to him today. He is confirmed he's going to sign this week. Mateo Jackson, linebacker out of Richmond. And Emilio Moran, who is one of the players with a star rating, is a lineman out of Virginia Beach. And then we've we have Three out of the Carolinas, uh, Jamari Current out of Rock Hill, South Carolina. He's a DB. Uh, Hayden Mann, who's going to play safety, even though he's a high school quarterback, he's out of McBain, North Carolina. Dante Miller, a talented run, uh, running back out of Rockingham, North Carolina. And then you have one out of Maryland, Nick Kidwell, a lineman out of Boonesboro, Maryland. And, again, Reggie Brown, a receiver out of a very talented, heavy area of Lakeland, Florida, and the last one's Drew Painter, a tight end out of Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's a town with a little bit of a history. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so, Michael, those are the 13, and, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing I want to ask you, you know, needs. That's the first thing everybody always wants. Is this class filling needs? What What do you think, and at what positions are they doing it the
1: best? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start it, because I think a big part of the success this year has just been how um, superior and, I guess, dominant the defensive backs have been. I and, mean, I mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're up to – I don't even know how many interceptions now, but, you know, we've had six interceptions against Karen Christian and South Dakota State, and um, I can expect the number going up versus North Dakota State in a couple of weeks here too. Um, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do certainly with recruiting. Um, guys like Raven Green from Virginia Beach – um, Jordan Brown from I, I believe he's from either Pennsylvania or Jersey, I forgot off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then we've got three defensive backs that all came in at the same time, not including Charles Putt. Um so we've got four defensive backs or corners that are gonna kind of come back next year as seniors. So we've got four, I think I think all four are number one corners. Charles Putt would have been definitely in there if he didn't get hurt, and then obviously mm-hmm. Jimmy Morland and Rashad Robinson. But then we're also graduating to um safeties and Raven and Jordan. So I think this recruiting class was very pivotal in terms of bringing in young, fresh talent. So guys like Jamari Curran from South Carolina, Willie Drew I'm really excited about, and then also, obviously, Hayden Mann. I think the common denominator about all of these guys is is they fit the mold of what we want to do in terms of that press, man-to-man coverage. Right. Um, And if you look at all of them, like, I mean, Hayden and Willie are both high school quarterbacks, but they're, like, big, long, lanky, like, physical players. Like, they're mm-hmm. not skinny guys. Um, and you look at Jamari Currents, he he kind of looks like, in a way, Jimmy Moreland, where he's – I think he's a little bit taller, at like six one, six two, but he's long, super lanky, runs really well. Guys that you can think one or two years in the weight room, they can turn and run with anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you looked at, like, the South Dakota game, nobody was really running past us. I think there was one or two plays where Winnie Key got behind our DBs, but we've got some serious speed at JMU, and I think Houston and Co have done a really good job of kind of reloading um, with just speed and length and that just overall athleticism so we can keep blitzing and and keep our guys on an island. Um, But then also just like kind of the caliber of these guys, like Willie Drew, I know he's got a University of Virginia offer. They want him there. And he's from the 757, so, you know, ODU was trying to pick him up, so I thought that was really impressive. We were able to lock him down. I, mean, I think it's exciting for what you said there. He's going to be able to sign this week, too. Right. And then you got guys like Jamari Currents, who comes from South Carolina. And, you know, the, I guess the farther you go south, you know, once you get to Florida, the more speed and athleticism there is. So I think getting a guy like him is going to help us a lot moving forward. You know, one thing that jumps
0: out at me, and, and maybe you have the answer to this, I, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's not a, a planned quarterback. You know, like you mentioned, a couple of these guys have played high school quarterbacks, but that doesn't mean they're yeah. going to do that in college. You know, last year they got Gage Maloney, who was the South Carolina, I think, Gatorade Player of the Year of Mr. Football. He's a big-time yeah, pickup. pickup. Yeah, so, I mean, is mm. it a matter of where there's a there's a log jam there and they just don't need a quarterback, or do you, do you think they've got one in mind and they're not showing their hand
1: necessarily and might sign one in February. What do you think? I think that's a good question. I think, I mean, I'd love to always get quarterbacks in the room just because you can never have enough of them and just bringing in other talent and pushing the guys you have. I think next year is going to be a lot of fun seeing Cole Johnson versus Gage Maloney. I think Mm -hmm. that's that's something a lot of JNU nations is really excited about. Um, But I think going back to You know, our old coaches like Nicky Matthews, he always said that quarterbacks are typically, high school quarterbacks are are probably the best athletes on the team. Right. And if you look at Hayden Mann and Willie Drew, they both come out of spread offenses. They're running the option. They're running the quarterback draws. But more importantly, they're running away from people. Right. Which I think is more impressive. And you see that type of speed, especially, you know, Hayden Mann, he's from, I believe, North Carolina. And then you've got Willie Drew who's playing against Virginia Beach competition. I mean, those are those are legit programs and they're running yeah. away from those folks. So I think that just shows athleticism. Obviously the coaches do a lot more in terms of understanding their flexibility, the ability to turn and run and, and being able to gauge their potential, but I think being able to get the best athlete is really good specifically for our level.
0: You know, you, you mentioned a second ago, uh, you brought up Reggie Brown, who's from, uh, I believe he's from Kathleen High in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm from this neck of the woods and have covered Kathleen and the Lakeland Dreadnoughts, who are usually nationally ranked. Um, it's a hotbed for football, and like you brought up, there's a lot of speed down here. That's uh, A lot of uh, FCS schools come down here, a lot of, you know, Ohio mm-hmm. State and, and Michigan and Notre Dame come down here for speed. And so I think, you know, getting a guy like Reggie, who is a three-star, two-star, depending on what service you look at, is a big pickup uh, just from my neck of the woods. And it's interesting, I think, South Dakota, which is a budding program you've seen yeah. that they've been building, South Dakota's after him too. And that's kind of an interesting recruiting battle that you wouldn't expect the South Dakota and James Madison to come <laughs> you know, all the way down here to to battle for a kid, but that tells you what kind of kid he is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a he's really one to watch. But I'm I'm curious about your dark horse candidate, Michael. With the there's 13 kids, four of them have a star rating. From the other nine, you know that don't have a star rating. Is there a kid that you just think fans are going to want to remember the name of?
1: Mm-hmm. I think before I go back, going back to kind of that Florida piece, I know Greg Medea did a really good recruiting article around, I think Coach Houston has Fontel Mines, who's our inside receivers coach, mm-hmm. down there more often, mm-hmm. um, and just really establishing a presence. But to your point, I mean, there's a ton of talent in Florida. I know past JMU programs have kind of fed off Florida talent, which is impressive considering not just the Dakotas that are there, but also just how many schools are in Florida in general. Right. So, now, hopefully that opens up a door even more, because I know Reggie Brown was one of our first commits. Like, I think it was over the summer, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's something, he's someone we're definitely excited about. In terms of a dark horse, I think, I think dark horse can be interpreted in this situation as someone who just doesn't have starters based on right. his rivals or 24 yeah. seven. But I think people who follow the program know how good this guy potentially could be. But I would go with the linebacker out of Richmond, Mateo Jackson. Mhm. Um, that guy is just a complete stud. I think he he's listed as six two, six three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Coming from Hermitage High School, which also produced Curtis Grant, who's in the NFL right now. Oh yeah, um, I know Curtis. This, yep. This, yeah, this guy's a stud. Like he's he's fast. He's big. Everyone wanted him. Cincinnati right. offered, Kent State offered, and you've got the Richmond's, the Villanovas, the CAA wanted him, and and we were able to land him, which was huge. And obviously. They're probably Richmond's, uh, U of R's top recruit at linebacker, which just makes us feel so much better.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and, and, I'm sure college game day didn't help. I'm sure the, the postseason runs didn't help. But yeah, I think he's got a big future for us. And, and if you look at our, our team right now, you know, Brandon Herford, he's a senior. Um, you've got a couple of, uh, Kyrie Hawkins is a senior. Then you got those two transfers that are up there it would be good to kind of see just younger talent come in, kind of develop behind those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I can see someone like Mateo just blowing it up on special teams and even getting in during spot duty next year as a true freshman. But, you know, I'll leave it up to Coach Houston and, and Coach Williams on the strength staff to kind of figure that out. But I think he's got all the potential <laughs> in the world, and we're lucky to have him. Good pick.
0: All right, I like that one. And, and you you nailed it on the, the timing um, because he did pick JMU six days before – uh, game day came to town, which is interesting, <laughs> and and I I wondered about how much that would influence recruiting. I'm sure it did very well, and and I think I think Houston told us that they had hundreds of kids on campus that weekend. Well, you oh, sure. duh, <laughs> you know, <it>
1: makes sense. <laughs> oh probably had everyone.
0: <laughs> I, I I would if I was a coach. So yeah, that's definitely a guy to watch. His offer list, like you said, is is uh, I think more than a dozen, and you know he again. In, I'll point this out all day. The recruiting services screw up a lot, and uh, they don't always nail it. They do nail it sometimes, but there's a lot of mess. Up, you know, just ask Carson Wentz about uh, recruiting services. You know, you can't you can't predict everything correctly, obviously. And maybe this is a guy that will will see do really well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want to get your take on on the legacy guys. You know. Devin Ravenel, I talked to Brandon a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me all about Devin. He helped out with the high school team this fall. Uh, and obviously, Raheem Davis, Rashard's little brother, and Rashard's been, you know, uh, he's been <laughs> messing with the NFL most of the year, in and out and the whole bit. Yep. So what? Uh, yep. tell me about these two legacy guys and, and uh, you know, what happened what having those guys back, you know, having another generation, I guess you could say, uh, of, of
1: uh, siblings Good. coming in. Mm-hmm. I think we'll start with Rakim. And, you know, I think I told you before, I, I grew up in Charlottesville, so mm-hmm. Charlottesville High School, As a, even though I went to a rival high school, you know, it's, it's always good to see four, three, four players do well. And I knew Rashard Davis when he was younger, so it's exciting to see Rakim commit to us too. I think he was our first commit of this class. If I'm in he Tennessee was. Also. April, April um, the 5th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, wow. That, that felt like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think with Rakim, I think you could expect a similar type of athlete. Just what's interesting in Charlottesville, they run that triple option. So they've got Rakim anywhere from the B-back. They've got him split out wide. They don't throw too much, but certainly they have him going around on reverses. And I think he displays very similar characteristics of Rashard. I don't know if he's as quick twitched as Rashard because you couldn't tackle that guy in space no matter what. I mean, Rashard was just that good. But mm-hmm. I think Rakim might have the same straight line speed. Um, just be able to stretch the team and, and, and be able to hopefully contribute that kick return or punt return or whatever Coach Houston wants to have him at. But I think we're excited to have him. Like I'm all I'm all about speed. Um uh, yeah. the more speed you see, the better. <laughs> that, that's right. kind of my thing. And with Devin Ravenel, I think he's a very interesting prospect too. I know UVA kind of came in at the end there after he committed to JMU and, and they want him as a defensive back. And right. I remember that interview we had with Brandon and he was talking about how he he just started growing recently. I think he's up to like 6'2", maybe 6'2", 200 pounds now, mm-hmm. and they want him at wide receiver, which I think if we can land him and he comes to Jamie, I think that could be huge for us because he's definitely very similar to Brandon in terms of he's a smooth route runner. Um, I don't know if he has the deep speed yet, but at 6'2", 200, being able to get us the first downs, just being a long, lanky kid, and he's just going to keep growing and developing, I think that could be huge for us. And if if a P5 school wants him to play safety or corner, I'll take him because he's probably going to be an amazing athlete that's going to be able to make some uh, some good plays for us down the road. So I'm excited for both of them for sure. Good
0: stuff. Well, you know, another thing that jumps off the page to me, Michael, is that when we're looking at the offer list of these 13 kids, how many of them have offers from the service academies? And I know there's mm-hmm. a you know there's a measure of you know, distance from, you know, obviously Annapolis, Maryland is not 3,000 miles away. That's going to have a little something to do with it. But I think more than anything, I know what the academies are looking for in a kid. And when we're talking about character and, you know, I see a lot of similarities in the JMU kids. And uh, what do what do you think when you see, you know, five or six of the guys committed also have offers from Navy and army that are going to bowl games and, and, uh, you know, playing in front of 70,000 people in Philadelphia a couple weeks back. I mean, what do you think when you guys are beating them out for
1: players? I think, I mean, it's a testament to the type of athletic talent that we can get, Um, but also kind of Coach Houston's recruiting philosophy on getting not just great players but good character guys. Because you can have the best athletes in the world, and and I'll be honest, JNU is probably one of those schools, but you need – a couple of glue guys that really, you know, they bring the wood every day. They're high-character kids that know how to win. Um, and when you go to places like Army and Navy, those are high-character high, high character folks. And, and they right. are winners. Um, they know how to prepare. They know how to work hard. And I think that's the type of guys we're getting as well. I mean, you look at guys like Dante Miller, who I know has an Army offer. All the way down the list here, I think we've got some high-quality players, but then also high-quality human beings that, will just keep us having this winning tradition and and hopefully kind of follow the path that, you know, Brian Shore and and those guys were able to bring bring to the program.
0: Well, now it's the time in the podcast where we read the list of FBS schools that James Madison has beaten
1: in recruiting. (laughs) I bet you'll have fun with this, Michael.
0: All right, we'll start with the P5s. Uh, Three of the kids of this 13 have P5 offers uh Virginia has offered uh let's see, we got uh Henry Sh- or no uh, Devin Ravenel, like you've been mentioning, and Willie Drew both report offers from Virginia. Amelia Moran, who you you know, you talked a good bit about that you love the death, has uh been offered by Missouri out of the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um the other FDS schools, uh Lane Kiffin is being beaten <laughs> by James Madison. Uh Buffalo, Marshall, Temple, Coastal Carolina. Uh, who else we got here? Liberty's moving up. UCF has been beaten a couple times by kids mm-hmm. going to Jane or uh by James James Madison. Uh who else we have here? Army, Navy, Air Force, UMass, I already said Marshall. I feel like I'm reading Marshall over and over again. Old Dominion, uh Coastal Carolina, I think we already mentioned. I mean, it, it's just—it's it, really incredible, you know. When you look, Georgia Southern. I, I mean, UCS. Think about what UCS done this year to beat UCF yeah. out for kids is is impressive. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Western Kentucky, Yukon, Appalachian State. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. Kent State. The list goes on and on and on. So it's a it's a good it's a good looking FCS class. Coach Houston said two weeks ago on the phone. He said, you know. We feel like we're in the position now where we could go toe-to-toe with a MAC school and beat them for a recruit, that it's not going to be a fluke. We're just beating them straight up. And uh, that's that gives you kind of a, you know, a, a summary about what could happen this week. There's a three-day period they can sign. It's the 20th through the 22nd. And then they'll have to wait for the first, uh, first Wednesday, I think, uh, this year. It's the 8th. I'd have to look at the calendar. But first Wednesday in the, uh, February starts the second period, which goes from National Sign Day in February until, I want to say, May 1st. People always think it's a one-day thing, and it's not. It's a, you know, you can
1: sign kids for two and a half months, mm-hmm. I think, there. Uh, yeah, recruiting never stops, I'll tell you that. It never ends. There's <laughs> Just bringing so, on talent all the time, right?
0: Yeah, and, you know, talking about that, I guess now we're going to have to call February the late period, but um, Michael... I'm not asking you to throw names out there. Of who do you think the secret sauce is going to be? You know, between now and February, but do you expect a, a couple more key guys uh, February? Or how would you kind of break down what could happen for JMU sure. between now and then? Yeah, I,
1: I think a lot of things could definitely happen. Um, just from a success rate with recruiting for JMU, and especially like what was it a week and a half ago when Coach Houston signed a ten-year contract. I was also getting a lot of text messages about, oh, we're going to start landing three-star kids, which I hope you do. That'd be that'd be fantastic, and kind of fringe P5 players, which I think would be good as well. But I think the the trickle down effect we'll see is, you know, we're kind of going towards maybe we'll start signing a lot of very good CAA quality players to maybe recruit it, maybe like preferred walk-on positions or partial scholarships, where maybe we can get two very good players. Um, equivalent to one scholarship on the team financially, which I think would be huge because if we can get the guys that maybe, you know, the Towsons, the Villanovas, Peck Richmond wants, and we can get them on the roster um, for, you know, half scholarship or whatever we decide to do, I think that's going to be huge because I know North Dakota State does it. They've got a mm-hmm. fantastic like walk-on program and they're just developing players. I could see it happening now because, with 63 scholarships and realizing that we've we've lost what 10 to 11 players for injury this year and we're still undefeated, that's right. just kind of a testament on on their ability to get top talent here, have them ready to go. Also, the coaching. Um, I think that's going to be really the the benefit of having coach sign that contract is just landing more quality players because they're going to want to come to James. They're going to want to win. Um, heck, yeah! Let's let's get a three star kid. Let's get a guy that you know, UVA, Tech, and Duke and and Wake Forest want. But, you know, if we can get more quality players that can compete and keep us at the national stage, I'm all for that too.
0: Yeah, that's that's the big (laughs) – that's always the the big question is, do you want to go play in the left-out Chili Bowl on December 16th or do you want to go to Frisco? Mm -hmm. The crowd's going to be better in Frisco, (laughs) You know, and actually this yep. year the crowd would be even better than Frisco if they were playing it at a bigger, you know, location. Uh, that's the big question. Do you want to play for Kent State and go 3-8 and eight and lose mm-hmm. to a team from the CAA or from, you know, the Missouri Valley, or do you want to go win? And I think that, that message is something that Houston's doing a good job mm-hmm. with and North Dakota State has done for years. And then, like you mentioned, from the aspect of walking on, Walking on, I mean, if you're a preferred walk-on, you know, it may only take a year before you're on a full ride if you prove yourself. So that's definitely something FCS schools can use to their advantage when they're winning. So, um, Michael, the last thing I want to ask you about is about the big game. Uh, So let's forget recruiting (laughs) for a second. And, you know, the game in, in Frisco has got the two, you know, big boys on the street. There were no upsets. On this, I mean, we were talking about this in August. I don't know. We might have been talking about this in January. So (laughs) I know I I was thinking that this was a very distinct possibility. So what do you think about the matchup? What are you looking forward to? And uh, how early in the week are you going to get there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the problem right now is everyone's trying to get tickets to get there, right? And and not even, like, getting flights. People are just trying to find tickets to get to the game. Which they need to move it to like Cowboy Stadium or something. Cause I know we could be able to, I know North Dakota State and us could fill that state in pretty easily. Um, yeah. I'll be honest just with the demand we're having now. It, it's just crazy. I know I'm sure I'm, I'm trying to still lock down tickets as we speak, um, as well as flights, but I'm, I'm certainly excited about it. I think this is something the entire country want wanted in terms of FCS. I know North Dakota State want, I know we wanted it, um, because. While they were saying that, you know, we weren't playing that well and, you know, Jamie, you cost a good time, a lot of us were thinking, you know, you put us, you know, in a neutral field or have them that bridge force, us. Um, you know, we were curious how close that game would have been. Um, yeah. But then again, it's North Dakota State. They're winners. They've got a special brand of ball. And, and they're I think their offense right now is, is surprising a lot of people. Um, and, you know, they're number two in the country in defense. Right. So I think this will be a lot of fun. We'll be able to see it on the field. I think both programs prove that, you know, we are one A and one B or whatever you want to call it in FCS, especially what we did to South Dakota state. Um, We're looking forward to it. I know all of my friends are looking forward to it. I'm trying to get there Friday morning and kind of hang out in the Frisco area, Dallas area for the day. And then we'll, we'll definitely be there all day on Saturday and then, you know, God willing, I fly out on Sunday. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. might, be, might make it a four-day weekend. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I think it's going to be interesting, right? You've got North Dakota State that does what North Dakota State does. They line up in that formation. They try to run it down your throat. Um, And they play very good defense that they showed throughout the entire playoffs. And then you've got James Madison, whose offense is finally starting to click. Yes, um, we're still trying is. to do a, a downhill, rushing, powerful power game. And our defense is fantastic, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It could be a three-zero game. Who knows? Um, as long as Jamie comes out of top, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting how the offense, you know, as as really quick here in the postseason. I, I did have a chance to uh, talk on the record with Riley Stapleton today, and he he brought up Marcus Marcus Marshall and how he's exploded when it's mattered the most. I just I look at this game, and it's like, you know, when we get when we're in the regular season. It, it's all you know. It's obviously different than this because it seems to me like when you get in the postseason, the defensive teams rise to the top. The teams that throw it or mm-hmm. whip it around and try to outscore you—they always fall by the wayside. Uh, so, along like Sam the way. Houston, right? Well, Sam, <laughs> I mean, Sam Houston, South Dakota State uh, was not going to match up defensively with your defense statistically at all. At James Madison, now offensively. They do a good job. Now, they didn't do a good job Saturday night, but that's a good offense generally. Um, Mm -hmm. But, again, when you get punched in the mouth that quickly, you know, the physical, disciplined, just hard-nosed teams, look at Weber State. They were that way. We knew they were that way coming into that game. And they had JMU on the ropes with two minutes left. I mean, so I think that's the kind of match that we're going to see in Frisco and I. I don't know what's gonna happen, except it's gonna be awesome. You know, uh, from an outsider standpoint, it's
1: and the envi- the
0: environment's gonna be nuts, and I know you'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh,
1: so, yeah, it's gonna be a lot uh, of fun, and I think it's yeah. great for both programs, great for FCS. Um, I know North Dakota State; their fans are fantastic. Like we jaw a lot on Twitter, but I think there's a mutual respect between both of us. Um, but yeah, we're we're looking forward to it for sure, and looking forward to shaking hands again, also.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you for doing this. I want to do it again when we get closer to February because, you know, I know Coach Houston said he wants to sign 15. That doesn't mean he necessarily will. And there's still going to be a lot of news, you know, going into the the final signing period. So if you don't mind doing it again, we'd love to. And, And, again, thanks for your time,
1: man. Absolutely. I'm always open for it. And go Dukes.